With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL podcast. I'm Gary Grambling. And I'm Connor Orr. Connor, we're starting this one off. Maybe you want to do this, because I haven't quite gotten the phrasing down. How do you do the misdirection from uh, Brock Purdy... Uh, but setting up like we're about to talk about Tom Brady. Oh, well, Gary, I, you know what? It, it was a tweet. It wasn't very funny, um, but, but let's <laughs> give it a shot. Um, I'm trying to go back through all my tweets today. I had a good, um, my favorite Brock Purdy tweet before we get into this was obviously to stick Brock Purdy into um, the Poison song, Talk Dirty to Me. Oh, it, Brock Purdy to me. Oh, that's excellent. You well, don't lie. You you in in meetings this week, you were very anti Brock Purdy puns. You no, wanted nothing I, to do with Brock Purdy puns. I was anti Brock Purdy puns because everyone was just substituting it for the word pretty and then just throwing out the same lines over and over. And I okay. I couldn't uh, I couldn't handle it. But okay. yeah, but uh, working. Oh, that's really nice. That's the D- best one I've heard. How Rock does it, to me. it fits so, uh, boy, did it get me down a wormhole I didn't have time for, um, <laughs> but because uh, he had to look up the lyrics, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, and then you're like, God, I haven't heard that song in so long. And then I listened to the song, and then there's the part in Talk Dirty to Me where Brett Michaels goes, CeCe, pick up the guitar. And then I was like, oh, shit, CC DeVille, what's that guy mm-hmm. up to? And then I was on CC DeVille's Instagram for like 15 minutes, and then I said, wow. Connor, this is NFL Sunday. Focus. And so I had to uh, I had to get back on track. Very distracting. How awesome would it be if CC DeVille just had some like really insightful NFL analysis on his Instagram page? <laughs> There's a couple. Um, I Well... Michael Fabiano, our, our fantasy football extraordinaire expert, plays with like half of Allison Chains in his fantasy. That's right. And apparently yep. they're very good. And I've written about um, the a lot of the jam bands, Mo and Umphreys McGee. They're all very avid mm-hmm. fantasy football players. So there's a lot of good knowledge out there in the uh, in the music industry. But 
Let's rewind, Gary. No more CC Deville. That's a different podcast. Um, here's here's the misdirection <laughs> setup, Gary. Um, yes. In this game, we had an, a stunning underdog story of a late round draft pick turned legendary NFL phenom versus Tom Brady. So there you go. There you go. Pretty to me. Nicely done. That's a good start to the show for you. This is going to be a really good show. But we'll uh, we'll start this one off with the 49ers just destroying the Bucks in uh, Tom Brady's homecoming here out in out in uh, Santa Clara. Uh, my assessment of, of Brock Purdy, and by the way, we got some Josh Johnson in this game too, which is also nice. <laughs> which boy, what what a lopsided game. Uh, my Brock Purdy takeaway is uh, certainly not perfect, but as you have written. And have as you have discussed, uh, this system is so good, and the weapons in the system are so good, and the play calling is so good, and it's built so well for this moment in the NFL that uh, there's a margin for error here. Uh, per, he was he was not perfect. Um, he got away with one uh, at the end of the first half, both in a, a phantom holding call that took back an interception where he missed uh, uh, the lineman dropping into coverage there. Uh, and then he was late on the double move on the next play. I know he was getting hit, and that's why it was an underthrown ball, but uh, that ball had to come out as soon as Jamel Dean stopped his feet because it was a free touchdown. Other than that, it's it kind of looked like a, I don't know, more athletic Garoppolo, what what you'd see as as sort of a middling Garoppolo game. Yeah, I've been told it's more complicated than this, Gary. Though I've yet to hear a, <laughs> a sensible explanation. But um, here's a perfect example of Purdy's athleticism. Right, second quarter, thirteen ten left on the clock. Actually, the play called up here. I saved it. Forty ers are up fourteen nothing, and now. I think this is the perfect encapsulation of everything that you just said because hyper athletic out of the backfield play action to Christian McCaffrey. You have a free runner coming off the edge um, and he does the he does the okie doke like he flips the ball over his head. The defender falls, steps up and then does almost like a uh, like a running foot pop kind of throw uh, to Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel and picked up like 20 yards now. Eight times out of ten is that picked? Yes. Was it thrown in the wrong spot? Yes. But there's athleticism there. There's a system. There's really good receivers who are going to gain yards after the catch. And, you know, uh, you and I worked on a Brock Purdy story for this week. And one of the things that didn't make it in there was just how complimentary people were of he was a four-year starter in college. That's a big deal. You're starting 49 regular season college football games your library of stuff that has happened to you in the pocket is extensive and i think that the idea that and we did put this part of the story but the idea that you can take that stuff and then get legitimate training from nfl caliber experts to improve things like your arm velocity um your speed stuff like that i mean I love the idea that we can make these guys into suitable every down NFL quarterbacks. I love it. Uh, And I think that that's what we saw from Brock Purdy today. And again, he is, uh, you know, as you wrote, and Iowa State fans, you can cover your ears because apparently this is very upsetting to you. Uh, Look, he's a 6'1", 220-pound, you know, pretty good college football quarterback. Uh, But there's nothing on his college tape that would make you say, okay, well, here we go. This is this is what we got. And you also made a, a very, uh, very astute point in that story that 
the downside of being a four-year starter is everyone just kind of figures they know you. Uh, You know, like all the evaluators out there are just saying, yeah, we we have four years of tape. Uh, This is what he is. And there's not a whole lot else to to say about it at that point. Uh, He is, you know, going to add that athletic element as the 11th man in the run game. That that's a that's an option for the 49ers now that they had with Trey Lance. They didn't have with Jimmy. Uh, the other thing about him, and and by the way, I believe on fact check it was 46 career starts in college. Uh, mm. Just so just so we're all clear on that, uh, there is going to be a, a general narrative that guys like me would make right now, where you'd say, okay, well, you know, first start, and uh, we will see what defenses do to him now that uh, it's out on tape. You know, now everyone is is going to know. Uh, okay, what do you want to take away from him? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And to be clear, NFL coaching staffs are much better at doing that than college coaching staffs are. However, he's kind of had that happen already. He started for four years. Uh, every college coach in the, every defensive coach staff in the Big 12 had a chance to sit down every offseason and decide how they were going to attack him uh, in the next, in, in the next uh, matchup. So, this is not going to be completely foreign to him. Uh, again, is is this, you know, is he going to be a star quarterback? No, probably not. But it's seeming like the mounting evidence says that he's probably going to be more than good enough for uh, for this team to stay in Super Bowl contention. Yeah, and here's what's interesting uh, to me. Is that so? I, a lot of the blowback that I got from the story, there was a line in there that said that Brock Purdy came out of college built too much like a fullback, and everyone's like, he doesn't look like a fullback. But nobody ended up reading the lines that followed it that explained <laughs> what I was talking about here. And he came out of co- college extraordinarily quad dominant. He had giant quad muscles, you know, not like Saquon Barkley size quad muscles, but big quad muscles. Mm-hmm. And the way that you get big quad muscles, Gary, is by lifting a lot in a way that strengthens your quad muscles, right? And what positions need big quad muscles? Running backs, fullbacks, people of that nature. But when you have big quad muscles and you're a quarterback, forces you on your toes. It's not the position you want to be in order to throw football. In college, they don't have the time and the headspace and the wherewithal to be tracking that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. to be looking at a quarterback and saying, oh, look at how big his quads are getting. We should probably stop doing that, you know? And Brock c- kind of goes out on his own with his agent, right? Finds these people at QB Collective, and they're like, hold on a minute. You know, they do the whole stop motion camera thing. They track his the way that he throws, and they say, no, no, no. You need to put your feet down, and the reason you're popping your feet up is because your quads are too strong. That's where you're pulling all that strength to make your throw. We're going to rebuild the whole thing. That can be re that can be done. You know, you can't save Tim, Tim Tebow's throwing motion, but if you have a guy like Brock Purdy, where it's just a little bit of biophysics involved there, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to end up putting him in a spot where you can have the best of both worlds. You can take all the download in, information download from his time in at Iowa state and then you can make him just slightly more effective to the point where I'm sure he makes that Christian McCaffrey touchdown throw at Iowa State. But, I, I you know, I think it's just ev- everything now is more fluid. The motion, the arm whip, like everything is more practiced, rehearsed, locked in. And, you know, it was a beautiful pass. It's just like it's an NFL caliber touchdown pass. He knows how to read leverage 
And now everything else lines up with it, where the arm power, speed, all that kind of stuff on a more consistent basis. The other encouraging thing here uh, for any Brock Purdy believers or, or potential converts out there, when I think about this Todd Bowles defense uh, and and the matchups they've had with young, with young quarterbacks, I think back to that game against the Eagles in the wildcard round last year and you know the, the clip that went not quite viral, but uh, sort of got around of, of Todd Bowles just kind of walking around being like, the quarterback can't read. He can't read. Uh, and they were so confident in what they could take away from him and uh, and that it wouldn't function. And they were absolutely right. I mean, that was a, a dominant defensive performance uh, against a quarterback who had had some success last year and obviously having even more success this year. But uh, that was just not the case. And this 49ers offense continues to be so good on early downs and so good at avoiding, uh, you know, constant third and longs. And, I mean, man, it just... It, it, this was going to be one of the toughest matchups down the stretch for a young quarterback. Yeah. And here's what, um, so I'm going to go back to the Christian McCaffrey throw for a second, because Mm -hmm. here's why that's so important. And for those of you who didn't see the game, um, had Christian McCaffrey, uh, who was lined up wide on the left side and you snapped from about the 30 yard line. And I mean, it it was a go ball, right? Christian McCaffrey kind of faked like he might be going inside and then broke into more of a kind of uh, kind of a more of a vertical sort of fadey route, like where he was going towards the pylon, drifting towards the pylon a little bit. And uh, Purdy just notices the leverage, notices the inside, the cornerbacks a little too inside, throws it to the pylon, catches it for a touchdown. The cool thing about that throw is that Tampa Bay is doing what I think we all expected teams to start doing to the 49ers and Brock Purdy, which is, okay, we're not going to give you the intermediate part of the field. We're not going to give you cover to man. This is going to be, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it. There wasn't a deep safety on this look, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was a shallow crosser. <clears throat> to Brandon Ayuk, there were some options there that he had in the intermediate portion of the field, but Purdy attacked them deep, which is the beautiful part of this, is he's saying, no, nah, man, you know, I'll just take that all day then. If you're going to give me the 30 yarders, I'll just take the 30 yarders. And I think that is concerning for a team because then it reopens that question of how do I want to die against the 49ers? And it's there is no good question, you know? There, there is no good answer to that question. As far as the uh, Bucks go, they are kind of hanging by a thread here. No Tom Brady bailing them out in the uh, the late Panthers in the are coming. This one. Oh man, we're gonna get the, to the Panthers uh, probably too briefly later in the show. But yeah, man, this is this is for real. This is getting hairy here for the Bucks. And oh man, anyone who plays in the South Division and is leading that division uh, in either conference, both those teams, <laughs> really not looking very good of late. Yeah, um, I think that we should all be able to collectively decide that one division just doesn't merit a playoff spot this year. Like you get you get your card revoked, and then we just get to invite other good teams in. Instead of yeah, teams. I would like to just <laughs> I just like to cut some teams out of the out of the postseason. And uh, and assign some some teams to the postseason, but one less team. Let's go back to six, and uh, you know, let's do. 
three division winners and then three next best teams, regardless of record, based on my opinion. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dolphins Chargers. All right, we were on the Jimmy Train. Thanks, as always, to Jimmy Traina, the SI Media Podcast, for taking us through the uh, the reaction here. Let's start with the positive here, uh, which is a lot for the Chargers in this Sunday night football win. Uh, the defense holds up in a way that I don't think anyone really expected them to hold up, considering uh, they were missing Derwin James. Their linebackers have been properly maligned over the last couple of seasons, and this seemed like just a really bad matchup for them. It seemed like a terrible matchup for them. I think you benefit from uh, Tyree Kill was getting iced uh, basically every time that he went to the sideline or was getting treated every time he went to the sideline. There was clearly a little bit of discomfort there that you noticed more in the uh, more in the fourth quarter, especially when Tua was just trying to kind of go to him to get something to spark and, and not in the intermediate. was trying to kind of get him deep downfield. But <clears throat> I think if you're the Chargers, too, you think about it in kind of a more sober 
from a more sober perspective. And yeah, Tyree Kill doesn't get a football spit out to him like it's a rugby scrum and score a 50-yard touchdown in almost any other game. And so, yes, the score looked a little bit tighter, but you won this fairly comfortably over one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, the other one was, you know, Michael Davis and, and Tyreek Hill get their feet tangled, and Davis goes down, Hill stays up, and that ends up being a 60-yard touchdown. Uh, the other positive thing here for the Chargers, as far as the defense goes, you know, if teams are going to defend the Dolphins by getting that sort of depth with their linebackers in their drops, uh, the obvious, you know, counterpunch of that is, okay, well, here's Jeff Wilson just running down your throat. However, the Dolphins were in so many third and long. They, their, their early down stuff just wasn't working. They were in so many third and long situations, and that goes out the window, and then, you know, there's just nothing there at that point. So it just sort of all added up to a to a nice performance here for the Chargers. And, of course, look, I, I don't know what goes on at other media outlets. Uh, there's the one place that the um, – you know, the, the guy with the terrible ideas from ESPN basically founded um, or, or sort of established their voice uh, before he got, you know, <laughs> fired for sexual harassment uh, of being the place where they seem to tell their on-air people, pick out the best players you can find and say they're terrible will be the only people in the industry saying these really dumb things, and then, you know, people will come to us for terrible sports opinions that they can get upset about. Uh, that's how it kind of started with Justin Herbert. But then you had some pretty sharp people out there putting out some stuff, being like, well, you know, maybe Justin Herbert isn't uh, isn't so good. Maybe maybe we're making excuses for him. Like, we're, we're not. <laughs> we're just not. He's actually just really, really good. Yeah, I mean, that throw to Keenan Allen and then they point at each other like it's the end of the uh, of like a buddy cop comedy was just laughable. And he's perfectly mobile. He's he's everything that you want and you need in a franchise quarterback. We saw all of it. I mean, he checked every single box against the Dolphins. And hey, yeah, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are finally healthy at the same time. So let's judge him on a period of time when he consistently has and like just a decent complement of wide receivers, Mike, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in this day and age with <clears throat> all the star wide receiver tandems that we have in the NFL, would you say he's got a top 10 receiver tandem right now? If they're both healthy at the same time, uh, top 10 ish. I was going to say like 11. I don't have them ranked. I don't think <laughs> Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are, are the, superstar tandem that they're sometimes made out to be. I think they're both really good players. Uh, it's not A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I mean, look, it's not Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell. Right. Uh, I mean, I yeah, top 10, 11. 11 sounds good. Yeah, all right. I'll do that instead of the power <laughs> rankings tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Some of this stuff is exhausting, and I understand that from your your spot and my spot, like we're we're in the debate circle, and so I think part of our responsibility is just to be like, yeah, that guy's an idiot, but it, it, and and it's probably not very entertaining for our fans to, for us to just be like pedantic about it and just be like, oh well, we're just smarter than that. But when a game plays out like it does, it's just like, yeah, I mean. Anybody who's arguing against it is just wrong, and 
it's it's odd to see someone try to die on that hill. I have much worse, bigger hills that I want to die on. Um, <laughs> and I don't understand why why this is the one. It's a small market too. Like, all right, let's 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 make one in a lab right now. You and I let's manufacture a controversial take. What network does that person? Does it start with an F? Yeah, it's okay. one that no one should probably be watching. Uh, okay. if, if you if you like to learn about sports, if you just want to be mad about a guy who makes a lot of money telling you that LeBron James is actually bad, like well, yeah, that's the place to go. Okay. Yeah. If that's yeah, your yeah. thing. Um, um I was gonna say we could have transitioned really easily into just I mean, fire Mike McDaniel, right? Yeah. It's over. You could do fight yeah, you know, this guy's uh fire Mike McDaniel. <laughs> Like, I don't know. There's, it's just silly. Like, what what are we doing? It's just absolute silliness, Gary. You know, we're not doing it. We're just being pedantic about it. Yeah. You know what? We got an audience for a reason. Well, you got an audience, and then I globbed onto it for a reason. Um, (laughs) You know, you and Andy got an audience. I stole it for a reason. Yes, that that? is that is more accurate. Although I'd probably I'd probably reverse the um, uh, the order of the names there. Uh, Well, let's get into the dolphin side of it because I do want to float something uh, past you, which I've already done off air. But uh, let's do it on air and see how this goes. But uh, we kind of talked early in the year. The risk of bringing in Tyreek Hill is, you know, he's he's not old, but he's, you know, been around for a while. He's a guy whose game is pure speed. I, and I don't want to, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm busting, because I, I think he is the most valuable skill position player in the game. Uh, and I don't think it's all that close. I think there are, you know, I think Justin Jefferson is excellent. I think Tyreek Hill is is better but he's not a particularly strong route runner when his speed goes i think it's you can expect that it's going to go uh it's all going to go downhill kind of quick for him so we kind of talked earlier in the year you're kind of a soft tissue injury away which he's had in in the past couple years from this offense really looking a lot different in a in a, in a bad way because everything is built off his speed uh whether it's throwing directly to him uh, at all three levels. Or, you know, you saw it last week in the opening play, the, the Trent Sherfield long touchdown. That was 100% because of an overreaction to Tyreek Hill motion. Uh, he was constantly icing his foot. Or I believe they said at the end, <laughs> did I mishear this? Did uh, Melissa Stark say it was a moist tea bag that they were putting on there? Really? Tea pack? Moist, moist tea pack. A moist tea bag <laughs> I think it was moist I shouldn't have said it that way moist tea pack <laughs> I think is what she said um I don't know if I dreamed this we're gonna have to edit it out if I did dream it <laughs> but, I would uh, just love the idea of the dol- the dolphin staff hurriedly boiling Earl Grey yes and, and then running it, it over yeah and then being like here 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 I think I had like my teeth hurt like my gums hurt once and they said to press like lukewarm tea bags all over your your gums so okay. i tried that once it was like a yeah. holistic approach to gum pain so maybe it works for tyree kills leg Who knows? as we go as we go deeper in this conversation i'm terrified that i just misheard it 
And uh, you know what? We're just going to let it fly, though. And I will take all the mockery I deserve if uh, uh, if I just don't listen very well to Melissa Stark's timeline reports. Uh, but anyways, the, the thing I'm kind of wondering at this point, because this look, this was a really bad offensive performance against, again, a, a team that they should have success against. Uh the motion that the Dolphins use is not like casual, you know, I'm going to jog across the formation to the other side to, you know, get some sort of uh, tip on what the defense might be doing. Uh, this is constant sprinting. Tyreek Hill has run in a dead sprint a lot of miles this season. And I'm wondering if now that we're into week 14, this is something that's going to catch up on him. It's a lot of it's a lot of wear and tear. I mean, I, I, that's, you know, it's stuff we don't think about. We we think about, is he going to get, uh, you know, blasted? Is he going to get his ankle wrenched or whatever it is? But it is just a lot of very sort of violent steps that he has taken over the course of the season. I wonder if it is uh, it is piling up at this point. It's a good uh, It's a good question, Gary. And you think about all the maintenance that goes into something like that. And as you age, that maintenance increases. And I think that the ability to execute those steps, it's just tough. I mean, anytime any runner, anybody of movement knows that, especially from rest, that violent sprinting motion is difficult. And the way that they have him set up in the backfield, you're doing that a lot, right? Where it's like a slow jog sprint. Or it's like, uh, you know, or you're, and then you're stationary and then you're sprinting. And so it's kind of this really weird potpourri of movements that, again, I mean, he's 28, but in the life of his joints and his legs, he's quite a bit older than that. Yeah. And obviously, as this game went on, they did not use him on motion. And it just, it was, gosh, it was a different offense. It's the kind of offense that, can't move the ball against Michael Davis and Drew Tranquil and and these Chargers guys, and that is a little bit alarming uh, as we <laughs> move toward the postseason. Poor Drew Tranquil, he's trying. They're trying out there, Gary. You know, <sighs> Drew Tranquil can absolutely be my third linebacker. Uh, I just, you know, I, you're. It's just not going to work as a as a starter. Sorry. <laughs> Vikings Lions. So the next two games you cover here. Uh, well, I'll put it this way: we'll, we'll do a Dateline Detroit. Decent football team beats average football team in head-to-head matchup. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what we're looking at here. And uh, I, I look, I said it on the midweek show. I think I said it on the midweek show. Maybe I just whispered it to myself at some point. But the Lions are a little bit better than the Vikings. Uh, I, I don't think there's any real debate unless you're looking just at the win-loss record, uh, which, you know, is a result of the Vikings winning a lot of coin flips, whereas the Lions have lost a lot of coin flips. Uh, but yeah, man, this uh, this Lions team has caught fire here, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and uh, you got a little taste of Jamison Williams with the, uh, with the long touchdown for the rookie in this one. Yeah, so, uh, well, I guess we can start there. It was so cool to see how conflicted the Vikings defense was in the deep third on that play because I think you had, I forget who, there were two uh, players in the secondary there that committed to somebody else and then Jamison Williams just flying by himself. And that it's, it's almost like 
it's very rare to get that caliber of a player back at this time when you're surging and you're already playing some of the best offense that you've played all year. On the flip side of that, Gary, I think this is now five straight games that the Minnesota Vikings defense has allowed 400 or more total yards of offense, which is the worst stretch in franchise history. Yeah, I mean, look, they, Matt Patri- the Matt Patricia Patriots put up a lot of points on them uh, on Thanksgiving, and it came down to, you know, basically a missed call on special teams and some other weird stuff that allowed them to pull up the victory. Uh, this one, uh, again, I, Kirk Cousins even came out and said, I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between this year's Vikings team and last year's. I will say defensively, I feel like last year there was a lot of... Uh, sloppy play in the secondary, uh, blown coverages, wrong depths, incorrect reads, uh, stuff like that. Whereas this year, it feels a little bit more like they're, they're basically getting out schemed a lot. Like I look, I think Ben Johnson kind of destroyed Ed Donatel in this, in this matchup here. Uh, and on top of that, it's just, it's, it's not an overly talented group they have on the back end and it's really showing up right now. Yeah. Um, there's there's always going to be those games where we see the wide open streaking wide receivers and it's kind of a shootout and for whatever reason both secondaries kind of get sucked into the attrition and and we see these kind of big gashing plays that happen that's that's always going to go down but this was different this was a clinical sort of carve them up game by Detroit and I mean we wrote our we had our initial head coaching list back in September and I wrote that people around the league were saying, like, if you're looking for the next Sean McVay, it's not anybody that's coaching with Sean McVay. It's not anybody that's even worked with Sean McVay. It's this guy, Ben Johnson. Watch what's happening in Detroit. And we're seeing it right now. I mean, this this Vikings defense was exposed. And it must suck to be a Vikings fan because you finally got your due this year. You finally got things turned around, and all people are talking about is how average of a 10-win team you are, which is yeah. just terrible. I don't think <laughs> I've ever been a fan of an NFL team that's won 10 games in a season. I'm being 100% honest with that. <laughs> they are. They're just very average. And look, they're going to the playoffs, and maybe you catch fire in the playoffs, and, and things look a little bit different. Uh, but they have some work to do defensively here. Uh, I And I will say, the other thing I wanted to know from this game was uh, I'm still anti-tackle-eligible passes. Uh, however, it was kind of neat seeing one at midfield on a third and seven to seal the game. Yeah. I will give the Lions credit for that. Panay Sewell on a uh, on a third and seven getting out there and uh pretty much clinching this one yeah i mean where else would you go with the ball at that point i thought that was excellent <laughs> no no weapons no weapons left on that team yeah well, man, jared golf playing well whole thing clicking so a lot of people i think will say well justin jefferson still had 227 i think or whatever it was yards in this game um but detroit's defense i think played really well and i think they it's it sort of goes back to that question, Gary, that you and I asked. Like, what if you just put a lid on it, which is kind of what too high man is, and you're like, okay, we're just gonna, you can do your thing. If you're Justin Jefferson, you can have 220 yards, but they just have to be less destructive for 220 yards. And I think it was as undestructive of a 227 yards as you can possibly have as a wide receiver, yeah. if that makes any sense. And it was weird because a lot of the throws. Kirk Cousins was under duress a lot. I didn't see a lot of 
openings for him. And there were some throws that were basically like, look, I'm on the run. I'm going to grip it and rip it. And Justin Jefferson is just the absolute alpha person in 50-50 balls. And he's just going to grab the ball and, and rip it away from you. Um, so I thought that was, you know, and what they, they allowed less than two yards of carry for Dalvin Cook. So I just think yep. that this this Lions defense is is really coming around. And so I wrote about this. You can you can actually Dan Campbell predicted this on Hard Knocks. If uh, so, back in Hard Knocks, he was flipping out at his team for not being able to tackle. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Do you guys just really think that? Like, what are we going to do? Just start to turn our season around week eight when we finally get enough reps to learn how to <laughs> tackle someone? And that's what happened, which is yep. really cool. So good." Good for Dan Campbell, <laughs> ultimate uh, ultimate knower of future things. Jaguars, Titans. And this is the other. Look, Jaguars are better than the Titans. It's just the way it is. Uh, and I will say, though, uh, the Jaguars won this in a very Titans-y kind of way. In, a, you know, what, it ended up being four takeaways? and no giveaways, uh, and that's obviously a huge edge there at that point, but uh, this game was pretty much over midway through the third quarter. Uh, they gave up another big day to Derrick Henry here, but Henry ended up losing two fumbles, and uh, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is <laughs> just in a different class than Ryan Tannehill, so uh, the Jaguars, if you give them basically a 4-0 turnover margin advantage and Trevor Lawrence is playing in the game, uh, it's a blowout, which is what this one was. Your insane hot take that nobody believed that Trevor Lawrence was going to be good, Gary, I think is coming to fruition. He is, um, but in all seriousness, he is brushing up against superstardom at this point, I would say. And kind of in a fun, anonymous way for him in Jacksonville where it's not uncomfortable, um, it's almost the perfect place to do this. You can make mistakes. You can have your bad games. Not a whole lot of people are going to notice. And then maybe next year the team is kind of all right. You know, they were. Uh, they were also. They were. They were getting a little. Getting a little chatty in this one too. Uh, did you see with, him waving to everybody? Waving to everyone. He did a little scoreboard point. A little scoreboard. I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstate it. When uh, you know the Titans were were kind of. Uh, uh, trying to mix it up on on the victory formation stuff, but yeah, I mean this. The, uh, gosh, <laughs> this is what the Titans do to people, uh, and the Jaguars did it to the Titans, and it must have felt really, really good. <laughs> yeah, good day for really the Jags franchise as a whole. I mean, Lawrence obviously played well; they got a little confident. Trevon Walker, the number one pick, with a forced fumble that set up uh, one of 19 Evan Ingram touchdowns, which was <laughs> like, what, where are we? This is great. I love, uh, I love this team. It's, you know what it is. It's, it's just, it's got an expansion team vibe to it. And I know that they were an expansion team at one point, but you know, like Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, it's all these players that you're like, I don't know, man, like their own teams didn't really want, and they're putting them to good use. It's, uh, it's very neat, and I think as soon as the defense gets plugged in a little bit more and we start to see some maturity and some growth there, I liked Devin Lloyd this season. I know like PFF absolutely hates him and just says horrible things about him uh, online, <laughs> but um, I think once all this stuff kind of gets rolling in the right direction, uh, this is going to be a pretty darn good football team. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Texans, Cowboys. So the Cowboys got away with one here. Uh, this would have been a monstrous upset had uh, had they not rallied late and gotten the late touchdown to uh, uh, take one from the Texans at home. Uh, I think it was just one of those weeks for the Cowboys, and I think this is the Texans kind of doing their thing. Uh, you know, defense looked a little more competent in this one, keeping everything in front of them, and uh, it also helps when the other team just keeps on turning it over and uh, also gets you know stuffed on the goal line on a, on a fourth down but the other takeaway is it was it was nice to see the Texans turn this back over to a professional quarterback and Jeff uh Driscoll, yeah, baby I think uh, between Mills and Dris- I, honestly like I I don't want to make this a podcast where we constantly pick on Kyle Allen it still just blows my mind that they started Kyle Allen for two games like yeah play a professional player at quarterback and you'll look like a professional football team. I had a big Jeff Driscoll obsession uh, for a while. Uh, I believe it was, well, Chip Kelly drafted him somewhere. I can't, I think it was in San Francisco. 
was like a seventh round pick in San Francisco mm-hmm. and had I remember the story at the time being like he he had almost no knowledge of Jeff Driscoll, but he, I think he was like the high school Gatorade high school player of the year or something like that. And then Chip Kelly was just like, yeah, whatever. And spent like a seventh round pick <laughs> on him. And I remember, I mean, well, I, I'm still in my Chip Kelly is a genius phase and uh, <laughs> that he'll never be fully appreciated. But back then, pretty deep into uh, Chip Kelly. And I remember playing a few seasons of Madden mm-hmm. with uh, Jeff Driscoll as a, uh, as my quarterback. So this was a satisfying, very satisfying Sunday. Um, did bring up, uh, Gary, a really interesting piece of situational football that Mark Sanchez brought up on the broadcast that I did want to talk to you about, which I thought okay. was very cool. Yeah, um, please, please do. So we had Damian Pierce got hurt, right? And you had the third down where... Driscoll and it looked like Rex Burkhead were going to run a speed option for some reason. You know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? Right. Yep. So, you know, you were going for it on fourth down after that. Um, you knew that you were going to burn a timeout anyway to set up the fourth down. Mark Sanchez brought up an interesting point and he said, Why don't you just challenge that play? Doesn't matter that it's like you can challenge the spot of the ball. You know, he wasn't even close to being in the end zone right but like challenge the spot of the ball come up with a reason to challenge the play because you're going to burn a timeout anyway and you want to extend the amount of time that you have to set up the play that you want to run which i thought was kind of interesting so the argue the argument being that basically a uh a challenge gives you more time to plan things out than a timeout would yeah that is interesting okay that's kind of cool yeah like you yep. know, you know, and and because it, it was like two, it was three minutes left. So yep. in another minute, you weren't going to be able to use it anyway. All right, it's actually kind of cool, right? I'm open to that. I'm always in favor of the, uh, you know, when it gets down around two minutes left in the game, just throw a challenge for the sake of throwing a challenge. Uh, if you're just going to use a timeout, yeah, okay, I, I can get on board with that. I I'd be curious. You know, how flexible are the officials going to be if you kind of do some stalling while you are using your timeout time? Like, how strict are they with getting everyone back out in the game? And, you know, can you basically be like, well, why don't you go to commercial? NFL loves commercials. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, I'm uh, just always I'm, – I'm, I'm into the weird uh, stuff there. It was it was so disappointing because you would one, you would wonder if Damian Pierce doesn't hurt his ankle – before yeah. that and then you don't have to use rex burkhead on the goal line are we talking about an entirely different animal here that said the cowboys game winning drive was just so clinical and they yep. just like it was just like they woke up and they were like oh yeah all right this is uh or or maybe lovey smith got a text that said bryce young so let's not <laughs> let's screw this up pal <laughs> Oh man, we could have it could have seen more Jeff, Jeff Driscoll perhaps had uh, had they won this game and uh, staved off the number one overall pick. But mm. Jeff Driscoll, very very diet Taysom Hill here. Oh, what <laughs> the thought the thought of a diet flavored Taysom Hill or or an insult to uh, to Jeff Driscoll. I'm just saying I would never talk about Jacoby Brissett that way. But let's <laughs> let no. I'm just, oh I, man. <laughs> Now it's just getting personal. (laughs) Jets, Bills. 
All right, so this one was uh, was ugly out in Orchard Park. We had sort of wet snow and wind, and uh, the offenses couldn't do a whole lot. Uh, also because both teams have really good defenses. But I did want to uh, bring up the Simpsons quote of the of the day here, uh, based on Mike White just taking a brutal beating. Ladies and gentlemen, and especially little children. I'm glad you're all here to witness what may very well be my grisly death. That's it. That's of course Daredevil Lance Murdoch, and uh, it taught us all that the United States of America has the best doctors to Daredevil's ratio in the world. Uh, but yeah, man, I, this was one of those games where I'm watching from my couch, and whew, uh, Mike White just took like three rib-shattering hits over the course of the game. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like the Jets were just hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And he kept on having to go back out there. And I was like, I wonder <laughs> if Mike White is kind of like, man, I wish the Bills would just string together three first downs and I'll just stay on the sideline for the rest of this one. Yeah. And then after the game, Robert Sala says, you know, Mike White is absolutely still our quarterback. And you wonder if yeah. he's just like, oh, no. <laughs> It's just, let let Zach Wilson take a little bit of this because this is just brutal. Uh, As his liquefied insides are still uh, trying to settle. Oh my god, this was a vicious game. Uh, mm-hmm. Quinn and Williams uh, before uh, right he got he got hurt. He, in this game. he got it. It was a non contact contact injury. They are saying it's a calf injury, which is obviously you know better news. But who knows it. Look, it it looked bad. It looked like a lot of the turf injuries we see. But before that, he swung Josh Allen around and body slammed him to the turf. I think uh, on the Bills' next drive is when Allen jumped up in the air and was helicoptered to the ground. This was was just, I don't know, it's so lazy for writers. We need to stop comparing stuff to like heavyweight boxing matches because even heavyweight boxing matches aren't this physical anymore it's a lot of a lot of point accumulation you know but um i don't know what it was it was like um it was like old ecw you know with the barbed wire wiffle ball bats and stuff like that it Um, was you know what it was like and by the way we had we had dawson knox scored that touchdown where he uh basically got somersaulted and it it looked really cool. It looked like uh, John Woo directed this game, and there was just a bunch of completely unnecessary like flipping and and uh, somersaults. But yeah, it was it was also one of those games where you watch and it's like, huh, I wonder how the human body works in that there are just not shattered bones all over the field, just limbs detaching. It really is incredible. And Mike White completed a lot of these passes, like the yeah. one where he got absolutely demolished right in the rib cage. And then he hit Elijah Moore like in a tight zone between a couple defenders. It was not an, it was not an easy throw. It was really, uh, it was really something, but just to shift gears, the only other thing that I really, well, two things, one very random observation, the Dawson Knox offsides drawing thing was brilliant. Yes. Um, oh my God. Yeah, they did the, uh, so for anyone who missed it, they did the, uh, you know, everyone does it now. Like the, the quarterback starts motioning to the sideline, like there's confusion. And you remember Ryan Tannehill did it a couple weeks ago. It was just horrible acting. Uh, so Josh Allen is starting to do that. And 
other teams will then motion the tight end uh, under center, who then takes the snap and and does it that way. Uh, except they were just trying to draw the Jets off sides, and they did. And C.J. Mosley again, directed by John Wu, just comes absolutely flying over the top of the uh, defensive and offensive line coming through and yeah offsides five yards first down and Isaiah McKenzie is at the bottom of the screen um yes he is uh, like bent down at the knees and he's doing like the Elvis arm like whipping his finger around that yep. was very very funny um but yeah uh, later on the the Jets drive after that the opening drive of the second half Garrett Wilson got absolutely knocked out by Jordan Poirier on the sidelines. And, uh, man, it's um, every play in this game was like the 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 final drive in the replacements with Keanu Reeves. Every, like you just <laughs> thought that everyone was going to die on every single play. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really something. It was. It, it, look, I, I think you can never take away a whole, a whole lot from a game like this just because the weather's so ugly and it just limits what teams can do offensively. But uh, it's a nice refresher here for the Bills that they can still, they can they can win a game like this. They can win these, you know, just nasty slugfest type of games. They have the defense to be able to do that. And uh, and they did it on Sunday. Here's the one thing. So the Jets did a lot of wide nine uh, with uh, Josh Allen, which I thought was interesting and uh, that's the last time i promise i'll use that word for the podcast i feel like i've done it i feel like i've had three or four interestings already so thanks for hanging around guys but they did a lot of wide nine and so what they were doing in essence which i thought was really smart is i almost want them to play josh allen like derrick henry right force him up the middle where my biggest guys are going to be able to just keep getting shots on him mm-hmm. and i've seen some unique stuff that teams have used to entice Josh Allen as a runner and to stop Josh Allen as a runner. I forget who it was. There was a team a couple weeks ago that was dropping. They had like a big mobile defensive tackle, and they were dropping him almost as like a spy. But a tackle who was just kind of fast enough to be able to stop to get to Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. So you're deterring him from running because what you're saying is, no, you're not going to get to run over a safety anymore. You're getting this massive dude that's going to be hitting you play after play after play. And you're just de-incentivizing the run. And I thought that the Jets did a nice job of that too where, you know, again, we're not going to funnel you to our safeties because that makes everybody upset. We're going to funnel, we're going to set contain, we're going to set the edges and we're going to force you back up the middle because at you know at worst you're getting Quinn and Williams and that's going to stink for you and at best you're getting CJ Mosley which is also going to be really bad for you. Browns Bengals. All right, so the Bengals uh staying on top of the AFC North here for of uh, the timing or at least in a tie. We'll uh, we'll see how this plays out but uh, also Deshaun Watson's second start, uh, they did finally score a touchdown. So he's put up 13 points in two games here, which, uh, you know, not the, not the best start in the world. Uh, not a whole lot of open receivers in this one. However, also a handful of just missed reads with open receivers. Uh, he doesn't seem to really trust it at this point. Like there was a, uh, his interception was really bad cause it was sort of a, uh, throwback kind of, kind of a leak concept, uh, he just waited so long and kept on looking at it. Uh, it was really easy for Jesse Bates to just range over and make a pretty easy interception. So, uh, nothing looks very good right here for the Browns. And, uh, on top of that, no run game in this one because DJ reader just ate the world, uh, on Sunday. He's been so good. 
He's been yep. so, so good. Um, with Watson, so I thought speed-wise, you know, not that he's caught up, and I'm sure the Browns will make excuses for him until the cows come home, which is what you buy for $250 million, but it felt like the speed was, like, he, he kind of got it, right? I mean, to me, felt like the speed of the game was not, stunning to him as it was a week ago against the Texans. Yes. Do you think that's fair? That's to say? very true. That's a, like the, the ball handling was, was fine. I just thought, again, I thought he was hesitant on, on some of these, uh, on some of these plays. So I was, you know, in, in interest of fairness, I was saying, okay, what did we get out of this game that, and again, they stuck Jacoby Brissett in these insulting fourth and one situations, Gary, which I know just made your, <laughs> your blood boil. But, um, <clears throat> the, um, there's one play where he, you know, he's getting dragged down by his, it would have been his right leg, and there's a player like kind of twisting the leg and and trying to drag him down. And he completed a kind of a sight adjustment throw to Peoples Jones downfield. Mm-hmm. So saying, okay, he's got the fastball, he's got the long arm, he's got the he's got the whip, he's got the velocity. This this is kind of what you get him for here. But um, on the flip side of that. There was a couple plays where you start running a lot of zone read stuff with Chubb, and Chubb's just getting buried in the backfield. And I was just wondering why teams are either they're not worried about him running yet, or they don't think he's going to, or there's some something here that's just not clicking. And I know it's going to take a few games, but it was it was imperfect for sure. I think it's something to watch because uh, look, I would say most likely in this game, I think I think. DJ Reader just and it's the so Bengals good. defensive line just won. I think they just dominated the offensive line, and and that was the deal. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe you know the splits better than me. Is Chubb effective as a read option guy? It's not how I picture him running. True. Um, That's also but, a good point. You know that that makes a difference too. So are you putting your best skill position player in? situations that he's not wholly comfortable with at this point as you try and make this whole thing mesh it's obviously i mean look none of this is shocking uh we knew it was going to be a little bit rocky maybe this is kind of the worst case scenario sounds like we're overstating it but this probably is worst case scenario at this point which doesn't mean it won't be fine in 2023 but uh it's just not really clicking right now i okay we can get big picture at another time but you signed him. You knew he was going to get suspended. You thought six games. Now it's 11. So he suspended 11 games. He barely beats the Texans, loses to the Bengals. At best, you're going to be 9-8. and eight. Probably not good enough to make the playoffs in the AFC. So we were just comfortable completely peeing away one-fifth of this contract. It's kind of... Kind of stunning. It seems like right? it. Right? <laughs> you know? it, like, yeah, it seems like that's the decision they made. Really um, something. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> got to be, oh, you got to be pretty pumped if you're a, a veteran member of that Browns team and uh, you've been to the postseason and maybe you look forward to it again and now you just threw away a year. But yeah, that's that's what they decided to do. And we'll see. He's it, If he returns to form like he was uh, two, three years ago, it's worth it. And if he doesn't, man, it looks bad. But uh, we should also, before we move on and go to the lightning round here, we should mention, uh, boy, what a spectacular flea flicker touchdown for the Bengals in this one. Yes. 
Trent Irwin on the receiving end, and uh, man, it just doesn't work that cleanly anymore. It was the Bengals, by the way. They just throw out. They're so deep at wide receiver. It's insane. Where you're just thinking like, okay, we have like Trent Taylor and Trent Irwin had big games today. Yeah. And yep. They're capable of doing that. They're not bad wide. They're good wide receivers, you know? Yeah. And you can just punish teams and play, you know, late Patriots era football. If you really, if teams are going to take away Jamar Chase, you say, okay, we'll just take all this. It's It's really cool. Yeah. Jamar Chase back uh, and they lost T Higgins and Tyler Boyd in this one. So they, they got the depth chart. It's working. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ravens, Steelers. All right, let's start the lightningish round off with the battle of attrition in Pittsburgh. Uh, Kenny Pickett goes down with a uh, possible concussion. 
in the first half. Mitchell Drissi comes on, not great. Uh, the Ravens lost Tyler Huntley in this one, and we had the rookie, undrafted rookie Anthony Brown ends up stepping in. Uh, he's their third-string quarterback. Uh this was this was not beautiful football, but this is also kind of how Steelers Ravens games uh, tend to go. This was the Steelers Ravensiest Steelers Ravens game that there ever was. But J.K. Dobbins looked good in his return. I'll tell you that this the the running game is good. It's yep. back. It's and I I honestly think that there's a certain value in it if you're Baltimore and. You know, holy smokes! How is this team nine and four? <laughs> but uh, um, I think that there's a certain value in kind of recalibrating at this point, right? And without Lamar Jackson, forcing yourself to really fix some of the stuff that was wrong with the running game and be able to have that at top speed when Lamar Jackson comes back to to the lineup. Yeah, they're nine and four. They're also unbeaten in the division. So if we get into a tiebreaker scenario, that uh, that will go well against the Bengals who are two and three within the division. Uh, the, uh, the other thing about this one, and this probably ends the Steelers playoff hopes. They were kind of, uh, you know, they, they had caught some momentum. Uh, they were kind of hanging on here, but, uh, they're sitting at five and eight. Now that's probably not going to be good enough if they get to nine and eight, but the way this ended for them, just getting out physical, uh, this defense, which is, yeah, they they made an investment on that side of the ball. It's supposed to be their uh, their sort of main identity. They couldn't stop the run in this one, uh, even with the third string quarterback in. At the end of the game, when they needed to get the ball back, they couldn't stop the run. Uh, what Ravens end up going forty two rushing attempts for two fifteen. Uh, that's really bad, and that's what the Steelers' defense was a year ago. But there was enough weird sort of fluky stuff breaking their way that no one quite noticed. But Boy, it, it was a uh, – Mike Tomlin ain't going to like this. No, this is not going to be fun. Uh, this is not going to be a f- fun day Monday. Monday fun day? Yeah. I, is that what they call it? I hope no one calls it that. What do they – well, yeah, it depends. You get the you get the Monday off if you're uh, – and then Tuesday you always have off. Which, mm-hmm. anyway it, – it, <laughs> It's still wild to me that we talk about all this prep and players deserve all the time off. I'm not saying that, but it sometimes is mind blowing to think that when you get a big win and then you do get victory Monday, which is what that's what they do call it. Victory Monday, right? Yes. You have Tuesdays, your standard off day. (laughs) You're not in the facility until Wednesday, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Sometimes that they're doing this much work in three days, essentially four days. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Eagles Giants. So the Eagles clinch a playoff spot and just uh, just destroy the Giants in this one. Uh, I will say I thought the Giants were just gonna kind of lay down and die at one point because uh, Saquon Barkley was questionable for this one. They end up playing him, but kind of in a reduced role. And uh, you know the Eagles got out to a lead, and it was kind of like if you're the Giants. Yeah, you don't really want to give this message to your team, but it's almost like they have the commanders next week in what will, you know, either end their season or, or keep their playoff hopes alive. And uh, that's probably a much bigger game than this one was. Yeah. Um, but credit to Dable and all these guys that they have not acted or performed in a way that has been too small for the moment all season. And the fact that they at least you know, made an effort to claw their way back into this game, I thought was admirable because, boy, it just got... I mean, after 
you don't come back emotionally from a double a double kick. You know, that's sort of mm. a that just takes the wind out of your sails <laughs> a little bit. I, I think it's that's like one of those sort of football follies moments where you're just it really just does take the wind out of the sails. Chiefs Broncos. So this one was wild. I mean, the, the Chiefs get out to a 27 nothing lead, and then it turns into a game uh, kind of late here. Mahomes is a little bit sloppy. That's, uh, you know, that's a whatever. You, you kind of write it off, and, and they'll move on. Uh, the Broncos finally got just a little bit of what they thought they were going to get in Russell Wilson when he started, you know, extending plays a little bit. And, um, you know, we have rightfully criticized his play this year, which is has been really poor, and also his sort of style of play where he is just locking himself in the pocket, but this was also kind of a display of, of why he wants to play this way, because, you know, he's he's obviously an older quarterback at this point. He wants to extend his career. Playing from the pocket allows him to do that. He ends up uh, leaving the game with, uh, with a head injury on a play where uh, this was not even young Russell. I mean, he was pretty good about protecting himself during his prime down in Seattle. This was a head-first dive to pick up a first down on a third and long scramble, and yeah. uh, he ends up just slamming him, you know, slamming his head into the turf and had a big lump on his head and had to leave. And Brett Rippon came on and couldn't quite finish the uh, the comeback attempt here. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't know. I I would imagine. That that moment, and you don't want to equate. I mean, a head injury, the head injury part of it is is awful and is is the worst. Um, you wonder if a, a a locker room that's been waiting for him to kind of put himself on the line a little bit just appreciates the moment. Um, yeah. Because at the beginning of this game, I mean, we had another. You know, Jerry Judy was had to be consoled. You know, he was frustrated in this game, and there's a lot of emotion from the offense. That first play of the game, <clears throat> Russell Wilson had time, and then just waits until the rush gets there, and then just launches a 50-50 prayer ball downfield. It's what he's been doing a lot this year, where he has no idea what's going to happen, and. There's just there's other options, and he's just pushing the ball downfield at situations that don't necessarily call for it. It's it's crazy, but I think he kind of honed in a little in this game. And uh, I I don't know, maybe if he stays in, is it too spicy to say that maybe they would have uh, completed the comeback there, Gary? I don't know. It, it was ripping at a nice touchdown throw on that uh, to finish that drive. He did. But. He finished the drive and then uh, you know just just came up short from there on and it would have been interesting uh it probably would have been more interesting than than brett Rippon going in and that's kind of been one of the issues they just don't have an alternative to russell wilson at this point and probably probably won't next uh next season when this uh, starts playing out but yeah it was a uh uh it was a wild sloppy game i was also the second judy touchdown the one in the short red zone uh I thought he was going to miss him. The play design <laughs> resulted in Jerry Judy standing wide open on the right side of the end zone for like three seconds, and uh, it took it took Russ like a second and a half to spot him over there. And uh, I was like, for for like a good full second, I was like, oh my god, he's not going to see him, and he did, and it worked out. But yeah, it just it's nothing else is working out there right now. <laughs> Another good game, I thought, by Evero, even though 
they kind of let the the Chiefs back into this one. If you think about it, they're up six nothing. Really, you're only down six nothing to the Chiefs at the end of one, and then when they start breaking this game up is when Mahomes no look flips the ball to Jarek McKinnon, which is just not something that you can defend for in a yeah. in, a, in in any. I mean, you're not talking about that in a meeting. I'm sorry. You're just this is that's rugby. You're, you, it's not the sport that you play. And um, but I thought there were a lot of times and Patrick really had to work for it in this game, which I thought was cool. And I thought it was a mark of a uh, I thought it was another good defensive performance. They, they're just showing cool stuff week in and week out the Broncos mm-hmm. and a lot of simulated pressure looks today. I thought a lot of stuff where. Mahomes kind of thought he was going to get a certain thing and then all of a sudden there's just a rusher coming from there and then another guy dropping out and just really boggling him just enough to 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 slow down a play which I thought was was pretty neat. Panthers Seahawks. And we'll wrap it up with the uh I don't know potentially playoff bound Carolina Panthers. Uh mm. I haven't read this, but I I believe because they beat the Bucks head to head and they have another Bucks matchup later in the season, I believe they, uh, as the as the pundits would say, control their own destiny at this point. Oh boy! If they um, get to nine and eight, they're in. Right? There's no other way. You're correct. Uh, I think this has been. If you think about all the nonsense that Steve Wilkes has had to deal with. Yeah. Um, and you think about too. So Steve Wilkes had a bad enough experience in Arizona that he pretty confidently joined the Brian Flores lawsuit. He felt like he was set up as a one year bridge guy for uh, Steve Kime and that organization to get whoever they wanted in there. Uh, Steve Kime wasn't there for a lot of the early season stuff because he was serving a DUI suspension. So that entire organization was just rudderless at that point you had sam bradford <laughs> as, for a hot second mike as, as, a, as opposed to now right yeah i i put rudderless in the column and then i think <laughs> i put in parentheses still rudderless question mark um so he has that situation they draft josh rosen they force you know josh rosen into his hands and you know steve kime obviously likes josh rosen so much that he drafts his replacement the next season so uh, this isn't the ideal scenario here that that was it and then as you're a head coach you're wondering am i ever going to get another shot at this and then your next shot comes (laughs) when sorry we just fired matt rule and the defensive coordinator the offensive coordinator was good we fired him the year before that uh, so here you go. Oh, and also we're trading Christian McCaffrey. We're trading Robbie Anderson and, um, Baker Mayfield's probably going to ask to be released at some point. So yeah. here you go. And he's, I mean, he's like four and four with this team. It's really impressive. And it's the one wor- was the Falcons lost too, with DJ Moore in the helmet. It's working. And uh, look, I hope he gets serious consideration. I, I hope they keep him. I, but I, God, I hope he at least gets very serious consideration for this job going forward. I, I know uh, uh, David Tepper might want to go big game hunting or something like that, because uh, I don't know. He's just a guy with a lot of money. Uh, ben McAdoo, again, he's this is a pro Ben McAdoo uh, podcast. He was the one. He he was the original driver of the Geno Smith bandwagon. We were second on that bus. But uh, yeah, this Panthers offense, huge. Day for the rushing game, uh, 46 for 223. Uh, obviously going very heavy there, and they can play that way when they have a lead. But 
you know, Sam Darnold, limited quarterback, they're just scheming up some easy stuff for him. Uh, it's a lot of shorter, manufactured touch type of, uh, type of uh, LaVisca Chenault type of uh, stuff going on here with the passing game. But, like, it's it's enough. They, it's an identity. It's something they can they can hope to do week in and week out. I, I give the this whole staff a ton of credit. This has been just uh like almost like a well whatever the guard they're the guardians now but the the team in major league it's just feels like one thing after another where they're just making life so difficult and now they're just saying okay you're down to if you're tepper you might as well say okay chuba hubbard has to play quarterback and uh you (laughs) might as well and uh, Sam Darnold has to wear a visor, but he can't see out of it because we're going to cover it in peanut butter on every play. And they're still winning games. It's uh, um, it's it's uh, it's neat. God, there are a lot of streaming services that need content, and I feel like we put out some really good ideas on this show. Peanut butter quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.